What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement, Amron. We just had the NFL draft wrap up over the weekend, which means I was getting dirty in those Google Sheets last night up until like midnight. The guys on the Discord, the guys on the Patreon know I cranked out my top 50 rookie rankings on the Patreon for Dynasty Superflex tight end premium leagues. That is all available, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. But because you so graciously clicked on this video, I almost stumbled over that. I'm going to show you guys my top 10 wide receivers. And then also because it's so early, these are all subject to change, but I do feel very firm about how the tiers kind of shake out. It's so like my top three wide receivers and then a cutoff and then my next couple wide receivers. So we're going to revive a video genre that I haven't done since the NFL season, which is going to be a tier list. So we're going to get that fired up on the other side of the intro. With that being said, if you enjoyed this video at any point in time, make sure you get down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. And here we are. Let me blow the dust off real quick. Look at this. If only I had some like cool transition to really blow the dust and the cobwebs off. But look at this, fellas. We are in the tier list maker. I hope I think that this kind of goes with this video. It's a rookie, it's a rookie ranking video. It's a ranking video. It's a more fun way to do rankings. And you guys can kind of visualize what I'm doing as we go. So I'm gonna put myself up in the top right corner here. And we're going to start with tier one, wide receiver one. Oh, I'm going towards Traylon Burke's psych. It's Drake London. I know here's the thing. Here's the thing. Drake London, eighth overall to the Falcons. And I know that Traylon Burks has been my wide receiver one the entire process. If you watch my videos, you've known. Traylon Burks has been my wide receiver one the entire time. So you might be asking yourself, what has changed between now and then? And the biggest the biggest input that has changed is that Drake London went top 10. He went eighth overall to the Falcons, which means that he hits my draft capital multiplier. Any wide receiver in my database that already has a pretty strong profile, if they then get picked top 10, they get a huge boost up. So it's not like the Kevin Whites of the world get a huge boost up or the Tavon Austin go top 10. It's not like he got boosted up. But if you already have a pretty strong profile, like Drake London, you get a pretty big boost. So Drake London goes from, let's take a look at this real quick. He goes from from gold right here. I also have Garrett Wilson in there. We'll talk about that in a second. But he goes from guys in this range of, you know, I think Nikhil Harry is a decent comp for him. I'm trying to think of guys that are kind of his his bigger size that are, are gold prospect wide receivers. But it's not a super strong hit rate. These guys, the gold wide receivers, these are my RS grades. I, I've, I have videos on these that I've made in the past, but it's my wide receiver prospect model. Each of them get an RS grade. Depending on your RS grade, you get a tier assigned to you. Gold tier hit top 24 seasons at a 45% rate. That's not great. Now, when he gets that top 10 draft capital, he moves from there to here. He moves into the elite range with an 8.96 RS grade, which moves him out of like the Nikhil Harry range to... Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins in that area, which is really, really strong. And when you move him to that area, even though Traylon Burks, I think that Traylon Burks has a 9.1 RS grade. So he's like 0.14 more. That's not a huge difference. The whole point of the RS grades is just to fit wide receivers into tiers, which we're going to go over here in a second. And from there, you can kind of make your own decision. And the reason why I've manually put London over Traylon Burks is... The NFL spent a top 10 pick on, on London, so they like him more. Also, Drake London just kind of has a cleaner prospect profile, whereas Traylon Burks is 22. Drake London hasn't even turned 21 yet. He's only 20, which is big, right? Calvin Ridley's a guy, well, I think he's going to like his fifth year. I know that he's like suspended and everything, but the whole point is that he's old. Same thing with Terry McLaurin. But if you can get a guy like Drake London, and he's like barely even going to be 20 heading into his first year, you have more, you have more time for him to be that 
top end AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson level asset. Now I'm not saying that's what he's going to do in year one. I'm just saying, let's say he produces decently well year one, goes crazy in year two, like an AJ Brown, like a DK Metcalf. You're staring at like a 21, 22 year old wide receiver as a top five wide receiver asset. And he'll probably stay there until he turns like 26, 27. So that's kind of what you're looking like, looking at with Drake London. Whereas, you know, Burke's time as a, uh, at the peak of like a dynasty wide receiver rankings at 22 it's not as it's not as long if that makes sense now that's like super super like micro detail but when we're when we're kind of splitting hairs between guys in the same tier it does move the needle you also have usage concerns with um Traylon Burks where he plays a lot on the slot I know that a lot of people think that he has some red flags where I think that he came into camp or or like the combine or something overweight um, you also have the stuff where he's kind of used in an unorthodox role. He's kind of using like a Debo Samuel type role in that Arkansas offense. He's not a very big guy. He doesn't win in a traditional way. Now we're talking a little bit hand in the dirt tape grinder stuff here. That's not really my forte. But when you look at Drake London, he he wins like a normal wide receiver, like a DeAndre Hopkins, like a Mike Evans. He plays primarily on the outside and he wins with his size at the catch point. He can beat press man. He, the way that his game transitions to the NFL, it's much smoother than Traylon Burks. And that is why I have him over. Again, he's younger. His game transitions a little bit better. And then he also goes eighth overall to the Falcons, which we haven't even really talked about a uh, landing spot yet. Again, I already made a video on this last week where landing spots, not a huge input for me. I really just care about draft capital. That top 10 draft capital is huge. When we're talking about the Falcons, some people might overthink it and be like, oh, he's not going to get a ton of Marcus Mariota. Kyle Pitts is already there. First of all, I think there's plenty of ball to go around. I think Calvin really should be gone by the time that Drake London's good. Him and Kyle Pitts should be able to coexist just fine. It just comes down to them drafting a new quarterback. As of right now, they have the second lowest win total uh, per Vegas. So it seems like they are going to be picking highly next year. It could be the Bryce Young sweepstakes, the CJ Stroud sweepstakes, whoever has that Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow type ascension sweepstakes, whether that's uh, Will Levis or... Anthony Richardson, whatever. He should have a new quarterback next year. Could also be like a, a free agent or something. I don't know who's set to hit the market right now. I'm trying to think. I feel like Lamar hasn't signed a long-term deal yet, but I could be wrong. Now, when we talk about wide receiver two, again, very close. This is just for my tiers. Again, if you want to have, you can have these top three wide receivers rate, uh, ordered however you want. But for number two for me, this is where I'll go Traylon Burks. And again, he's 22, whereas Drake London's uh, 20. Garrett Wilson's also 22, like Traylon Burks. Or I think he's like 21.7. He's also, he's like maybe like a couple of months younger than Traylon Burks. And when it comes down to Garrett Wilson versus Traylon Burks, let me get this screenshot out of here. When it comes down to them versus each other, what it really comes down to is just kind of the wide receiver type you like. They both got fine draft capital. Traylon Burks has a little bit better prospect profile in terms of production. Garrett Wilson probably looks a little bit better on tape, though Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks both tied uh, on Lance Zierlein's film grades as the wide receiver one with a 6.5, which is really good. So it really just comes down to the kind of wide receiver that you chase. And just the way that I am, I'm chasing those bigger body wide receivers. Traylon Burks is like 6'2", 225. He looks like A.J. Brown, Demarius Thomas, where as Garrett Wilson, and I'm not saying that these guys can't win in the modern NFL. Uh, in fact, a lot of people are winning in this way, but you have Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs. That's more his area, which again is completely fine. But when we're talking about the last, you know, 16 or yeah, the last, I think since 2013, just last year. So we're talking about like prototypical wide receivers, big guys like Traylon Burks, the new term. I know in the past I've used alpha. I get absolutely shit on in the comments for using alpha, for saying, for calling uh, athletes betas. 
here's I, I can't trust this enough, guys. I'm not calling them as a person. I'm not calling him a beta male. I'm just calling him a beta-sized athlete, like alpha, beta, theta, whatever. Like in in math, I was just like the Greek numbering. Alpha just means bigger, beta means smaller. That's all it comes down to. People has made it, have made it more than it is, so I have changed it to prototypical. Yes, no. If you are a prototype wide receiver, which is 5'11", 195 pounds or more, 26 or better BMI. That is a prototypical wide receiver. You guys have made me do that, but it's fine. It's not a big deal. Again, those guys, last year we had three wide receivers score 20 or more fantasy points per game. We had Cup, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams. All of those wide receivers hit those prototypical wide receiver thresholds. Now, Garrett Wilson does not. Drake London and Traylon Burks do. Now, since 2013, 16 wide receivers have hit 20-plus points per game. You have Devontae Adams, Josh Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. I think I already said that. You have guys like uh, Jordy Nelson. You have guys like Demarius Thomas, Keenan Allen. These are just all the top of my head. I, I don't have the list in front of me. But 16 wide receivers have hit 20-plus points per game since 2013. 14 of them were prototypical wide receivers. The other two were Tyree Kill and Antonio Brown, which are non-prototypical wide receivers or the former beta wide receivers. So just with those that math, I think that you just have a, a, a an easier path to that 20 plus points per game, like monster upside from a guy like Traylon Burks. Now I will I, I will say Garrett Wilson is I think a better floor play. I think in I think his median range of outcomes is probably better than Traylon Burks. I think that he's probably a better fit in an NFL offense. He can win in a more conventional way, whereas Traylon Burks is his usage is sort of weird where he's not running up against press man a ton and he's kind of going out of the slot and doing a lot of yak stuff again i understand that it's more of an upside play but with Traylon burks his his profile is just very very clean he didn't need a if he i think that if he had gone 10th overall i don't think he would have been legendary but he would have been very close which is like the the top tier he had a production profile of legendary wide receiver he just needed to go either top 10 or have like freak athleticism he had neither of those but he's still a very strong prospect as we can see here and this is his production profile so his receiving yard market share this is a market share of receiving yards in the arkansas offense over his first three years and when you look at it compared to the other two wide receivers he is first in year one he's tied with garrett wilson in year two and he's first in year three when it just comes down to production, I know this is experience adjusted, not age adjusted. If you age adjusted, it'll look a little bit different than this. But every step of the way, Traylon Burks has demanded a higher tar a higher market share of his offense. Now, you can also say Garrett Wilson had JSN, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave. You can also say Drake London had Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown. I completely get it. I'm just saying that Traylon Burks was a monster producer in the SEC. So while the other guys competed with wide receivers on their roster, Traylon Burks played against tougher competition. Regardless... Again, monster produ producer. I know that he's not liked by the film community, but again, like I said, Lance Zierlein has him 6.5 uh, Lance Zierlein grade. He is tied for the wide receiver one in this class next to Garrett Wilson. Now, when we talk about landing spot, again, I don't like talking about landing spot a ton, especially with the high-end guys, especially with like an elite wide receiver prospect. I just want to bet on the profile. I'm not going to overthink it and put a guy like Sky Moore or olave or i don't know anybody in these dream landing spots yeah i guess like a sky more i'm not going to put any of those guys ahead of an elite wide receiver prospect it's just not how i'm wired now with Traylon burks he gets a titans landing spot which i guess is okay with aj brown gone i think that people are a little bit too optimistic but i guess with aj brown gone you have Tannehill there right away he should see volume right away but i think his long-term upside is a little bit capped under that like Tannehill derrick henry regime where they want to run the ball a ton but i think right away he could be in line for like 100 plus targets. There's really no one else there. You're getting like, I think Robert Woods coming off an ACL tear. 
and that's really pretty much it. So it's not difficult to see him used um, right off the bat, and it's also not difficult to see that coaching staff kind of understanding how to use a player like Traylon Burks because he is kind of a younger, rawer version of A.J. Brown. Now, when we talk about wide receiver three, we already kind of talked about him a ton just by, you know, kind of going through this tier, but we're going to talk about Garrett Wilson here. And we'll bring up the the first screenshot again because he also benefited from that top 10 draft capital jump. So he goes from here where he's kind of comp to like Will Fuller, Jerry Judy, which I, Will Fuller, Jerry Judy, Rashad Bateman, which I think are fine comps. But then once he gets that top 10 draft capital, we're talking about CD Lamb, Calvin Ridley, which I think are really good comps for him. He is that, you know, svelte, smooth operating type wide receiver, wins in all phases, really clean uh, profile, just a, a very strong profile. Again, I mean, the really all it comes down to me is just for perceived upside. And that's just me saying big wide receivers score more points most of the time. If you want to have Garrett Wilson ahead, that's completely fine. Now, again, I think that he is kind of like a Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs, uh, Calvin Ridley, where it seems like a lot of people gravitate towards that build a little bit more in terms of the market. Like all this time, Jerry Judy has had such an insulated market value. He's maintained top 24 market value in Dynasty ADP, despite really not doing a ton through two years. I know he's commanded a ton of targets, but he hasn't even put up uh, like a top 24 season or anything yet. He was injured for half of his second year. I'm just surprised that his value has maintained the way that it has. And I think that that's sort of, I think that some people just like those builds a little bit better, which that's a little bit something a little bit more far out there when we're talking about Garrett Wilson, but I could see that being the case with a Garrett Wilson. Now, when we talk about Garrett Wilson's profile, his year two was really strong. I'll pull up this again. But his year two was really strong. Uh, this is in receiving yard market share, but from an efficiency standpoint, it was insane. It was the highest of this class in terms of year two receiving yards per team pass attempt. Receiving yards per team pass attempt is just receiving yards divided by pass attempts. And what it comes down to is dominance, right? So same thing as receiving yard market share, but it also combines efficiency. What are you doing on a per pass attempt basis for your team? 3.21 is insane. And that was in year two. J j uh I was going to say Jackson Smith, the Jigba, but I'll just say J JSN. He had a 3.26 yards per team pass attempt last year and is heralded as like this crazy wide receiver prospect. Garrett Wilson put up pretty much that same number in that in just a stack of a wide receiver room. So he, you know, he was kind of on that JSN type trajectory. Third year, a little bit of a dip, but we did have, you know, JSN just going crazy. I think JSN's uh, bowl game. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. and JSN's bowl games, like just going off for like 600 yards or like 500 yards, kind of killed Garrett Wilson's receiving yard market share numbers for year three. But again, really strong profile, and you really can't knock him for not being as dominant as Traylon Burks, just given that he was in a wide receiver room full of first rounders in Olave, JSN, Jamison Williams. Now, when we talk about landing spot, he goes to my New York Jets. And I do sometimes sometimes wonder if I'm if I'm kind of too critical of Jets players. I, I never want to be that guy where I just love all Jets players and I'm all in on all the Jets and you can't really take my opinion seriously when it comes to a Jets player. I, I try to be as level-headed as possible. I will say it, throughout the entire process, Garrett Wilson has been my wide receiver three. I'm just maintaining that at this point. Now, in that offense, I'm really not worried for Elijah Moore and I'm really not worried for Garrett Wilson. I think there's plenty of ball to go around for both of those guys. What it simply comes down to from a ceiling standpoint, I think both guys well within the range of outcomes to be top 24 wide receivers into perpetuity, but to be like top 12, top five guys, one of them, one or the two, kind of looking at like a budget Jamar Chase and T Higgins here. You need Zach Wilson to be that guy. You're going to need a a quarterback that can elevate his offense, provide efficiency on a per throw basis and score points 
We didn't see that from Zach Wilson last year, but it's not out of the range of outcomes that he has that year two jump. Like we saw Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. I think Derek Carr had one as well. We do see that here and there where quarterbacks in their second year just completely, you know, set the world on fire. And as a Jets fan, I would absolutely love that. But in the event that doesn't happen, at that point, it's tough. Do they do they ride with a Zach Wilson for year three and you have like a Sam Darnold thing going on? Do they um, do they just hit the reset button and draft a Stroud or Bryce Young next year? I'm not super, super concerned about the quarterback thing, but that is what your upside scenario hinges on. Um, the long-term, pretty much like the long-term potential of Zach Wilson. Again, though, I would give, if on like a an F to A plus scale of landing spot, I'd give it like a B, B minus. It's really, it's not the end of the world. It's just worth mentioning. Now, when we talk about our next tier of wide receivers, this is my very firm top three. I think if you have anybody else in your top three, I'm not going to make any accusations, but I think you're a little bit misguided. Now, a wide receiver that I love, and I'm kind of almost going against my own process, a guy that I don't think I would have been high on like last year, the year before that, but a, a player I can buy into is Jamison Williams. I'm just, I'm just in love with the profile, man. I absolutely love Jamison Williams, and it seems like people are kind of souring on him for this Detroit landing spot. He's similar to Drake London, in my opinion, where the quarterback of the future is not on the roster, so you have Jared Goff there on Detroit. I think next year, again, I, you can't say that everyone's going to get C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, because there's not enough C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young to go around for everybody, but in a perfect world, it's C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whatever quarterback emerges. Now, maybe I'm an idiot. But I kind of like what the Lions are building here. Like, this offense looks good on paper. You have Penny Sewell. You have Taylor Decker. You have Frank Ragnow up front. Like, a very solid offensive line. You have DeAndre Swift in the backfield. TJ Hawkinson at tight end. You have Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot. Now you're adding Jamison Williams to that. I feel like they... Here's the thing. Maybe this is crazy, but I feel like they're kind of, at this point, they're probably like one, like... They probably need one more year of development. A solid draft class and free agent class plus a quarterback... And they're in the mix at the very least to just be a a potent offense, right? It, now, it does depend who they get as OC and all that. I, think, I do believe that they still have Anthony Lynn there, which isn't great. But they're building something there is really what that comes down to. Now, when we talk about the player and not the landing spot, again, this isn't a player I usually like. But now I'm not going to say that I've done film research or anything, but I've watched Jamison Williams. I've watched some highlights. I've watched some film. I don't do my own film grades. I really don't do my own film analysis, but like Jamison Williams just looks special, man. Like he just has a crazy, a crazy second gear. And it, it, it is dangerous because you are kind of running into like Henry Ruggs and John Ross in terms of that archetype. But I really do think if he ran a 40, he would have ran in the four twos. I also, again, I'm not a, an expert on tape, but the guy was out running Georgia defenders in cover four, like pretty wild. Like he and those Georgia defenders like Lewis Cena, I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but that safety, I know that he got drafted. Like they have NFL players on that Georgia team and he torched him. It's just wild. Now, when you look at the stats, he had 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns on 20 yards per reception on 79 catches. 79 catches, turning 79 catches in the SEC into 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns is kind of wild. And Lance Jerline agrees he looks great on tape. So do the NFL evaluators. Lance Jerline has him in the wide receiver three in film grade, 0 0.02 behind Burks and Garrett Wilson. I believe that he would have been the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft had he not suffered an ACL injury. Still pretty wild that he goes 12th overall despite the ACL injury. Now, I know that the biggest knock on him from a guy like me's perspective, you know, kind of an analytics nerd, is that Jamison Williams is, you know, like his breakout age isn't great. By the way, I don't even use breakout age in my model. 
but like they talk about great breakout age. He didn't do anything in year one and year two. Now, this is why I think it's a little bit different than a guy like a Devonta Smith is probably a bad example, but a guy who struggled in year one, year two, year three, and then only had a great year four, kind of like a Kevin White. The re- difference between him and Kevin White is, is this. Inside Jamison Williams, if anybody has an excuse not to produce in year, uh, after college, it is Jamison Williams. He had Olave, who just went 11th overall. He had Garrett Wilson, who went 10th overall. And he had JSN, who's probably going to be a top 5 to 10 pick next year. It's really hard to expect him to get on the field and produce in that environment. I understand that JSN was younger than him, so he should be, you know, he should have some seniority and and play over him. But JSN really didn't have his breakout season until this year when Jamison Williams lost or left. It's just tough. And then he also go he also puts his nuts on the table. And instead of going, to, he could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to like a Florida. He could have gone to a Missouri. He could have gone to a, a Pac-12 team. Like I'm trying to think, he could have gone to like an Oregon or something. He could have gone anywhere. But instead, he transfers to Alabama, a wide receiver factory, and he goes there and produces next to John Mechie, who's like a a wide receiver talent. He was getting first round buzz before the season. Then on top of that, they had like three three really good incoming freshmen, like five and four stars between. I want to say, if I butcher these names. It's whatever, but JoJo Earl, Aguille Hall, and then the one who produced the most last year, Jockery Brooks. In the middle of all that, he was by far the most productive wide receiver on that offense. So it's really tough to say that he should have been producing in four wide receiver sets on Ohio State. Again, I think that it's just wrong place, wrong time. He hit the worst landing spot to go in terms of like recruiting and whatever, though he probably saw like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both accept recruiting offers to go to Ohio State. But nonetheless, he goes to Alabama, he produces, and it's almost like the perfect spot for him to transfer to to prove to us that he doesn't have to be the only guy to produce, if that makes sense. Now, our next wide receiver in this tier, our wide receiver five. Wow, we are 20 minutes in and I am only four wide receivers deep. That is my bad, fellas. But I don't know. Maybe you guys will will like this sort of deeper dive type video. Now, we're going to talk about Sky Moore here. And I've talked a ton about Sky Moore on the channel already. I love his profile. He's my wide receiver five pre-draft. He's still my wide receiver five. I wouldn't go absolutely crazy because of that Chiefs landing spot and move him anywhere sort of outrageous here. But he goes to the Chiefs, and that's pretty much best case scenario. Let's actually put him in the wide receiver's five spot. They have had a top six scoring offense each of the last five years. They're projected for the most drop dropbacks in the NFL per Mike Clay, which means they're going to have a ton of pass volume, a ton of scoring. And the Chiefs have a contract with Mahomes through 2030 which is wild and from it just just i think the simplest way you can break it down in terms of how that landing spot affects sky Moore is a target from patrick mahomes i guess you can say all targets are not all targets are not created equal that sounds a little bit weird but like a target from Mariota or Tannehill, or Tannehill is pretty efficient, but a target from Mariota or a target from Zach Wilson or a target from Jared Goff is not worth the same as a target from Sky Moore. So that's really what you're benefiting from there is just a lot of efficiency, a lot of scoring. And then on top of being an, a, an efficient wide receiver on a per target basis from Mahomes side of things, you're also getting a ton of scoring opportunities and touchdowns. So you get a ton of upside with Sky Moore. You also have him, you kind of have like the upside of him sort of being Mahomes's like long-term option there with like Juju on a one-year deal. You have Kelsey getting old and then that's pretty much it. I think we have McCole Hardman also on the roster, but that's really it. It is a, they have done a really poor job of cap management. And I'm kind of talking my ass there. I haven't dove into things too, too heavily, but it does seem like they've kind of fumbled the bag in terms of cap management. All of it's going to Mahomes. They kind of have it allocated in rougher spots. Sky Moore has a chance to be maybe not in year one, but the wide receiver one of the future for the Chiefs. Now with Sky Moore, 
He gets second round draft capital, which is what we wanted. He already had a strong profile already. And he just has done nothing but produce his entire his entire collegiate career. He comes out of, I believe, Western Michigan. I always get Western Michigan and Central Michigan confused. I want to say, I'm kind of rambling, but I want to say Antonio Brown played at Western Michigan and, or I want to say Antonio Brown played at Central Michigan and Sky Moore played at Western Michigan. Now, regardless, you have a prospect who is 21 years old and early declare. We're going to get into why early declare matters so much in a second, but he's an early declare, 21 years old. And not only that, but he was played in the group of five. He played at in the MAC, which is so crazy. I cannot stress enough how insane it is to play three years and then go to the league and then get drafted in the second round from the Mac. It took Dwayne Eskridge like six years to play in the Mac and then get to the NFL. Like doing that in a three-year succession, producing the way he did, declaring early and going to the league, it's insane. When you look at the the metrics right here, receiving yards per team pass attempt, my favorite receiving or wide receiver metric for uh, college players. When you compare him to other group of five guys, you have Devonta Adams who played for Fresno State, Antonio Brown who played for Central Michigan, I believe. He outproduced all of them on a year-by-year basis. He fits the part of that superstar wide receiver from a small school. If you're going to be from a f- small school and have that upside, you being an early declare and the NFL saying, I like that guy, despite him being at a small school and dominating that competition, that's really all it comes down to with Sky Morris. So you get the landing spot, a really strong profile. He's a little bit undersized. Like I want to say he's like 5'9", 190. So he kind of, you're sort of looking in terms of comps at like a, a Golden Tate, like um, maybe not a Tyler Lockett, but yeah, something in like that Golden Tate area of, it's tough to see him be a dominant, like it's tough to see him be like a 20 point per game Tyree Kill type asset in that offense. But if there was anywhere for him to reach that ceiling, it would be the Chiefs offense. So that's why I have him wide receiver five, but he's in this tier. So if you want to have him ahead of Jamison Williams, that is all power to you, brother. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a controversial tier, B tier. And this is going to be, I'm going to cover two players here. I've gotten some pushback on this. And people keep on asking me why I have it like this. So I think that this is actually a cool, this video is going to take forever, but whatever. This is post the NFL draft. You guys are maybe going to love this. I don't know. Let me know down below in the comments. But let's talk about one of the bigger choices I have to make in my rankings. Now, in my rankings, the rookie rankings, these are, in a vacuum, if I'm on the clock at the 108, 109, I am not straight up taking George Pickens over Chris Olave because this is how I have it in a vacuum. I do prefer George Pickens to Chris Olave, but in the market's eyes, it seems like Olave is somebody that's going to have an, an ADP of like 107, 108 in rookie drafts, whereas George Pickens will be like that 112, 201. That doesn't seem like a lot in terms of rookie drafts, but from a startup value perspective and just a team building perspective, Chris Olave probably ends up being in startups like a sixth, seventh round pick, whereas George Pickens ends up being like a ninth, 10th round pick. Maybe I'm even doing that math wrong. Maybe it's like a fifth, sixth for Chris Olave. And then for Pickens, it's like eight, ninth, nine, 10. Why would I give up that value just to put my money where my mouth is and like prove to the world that I have Pickens over Olave? In that scenario, and I'm on the clock and Olave's, you know, the better pick per ADP, I will take Olave and then I can turn around and trade, you know, Olave for Pickens plus or I can just hold on to Olave, maybe trade him later. And I play in multiple leagues. I play in eight leagues or I play in nine leagues and I can go out there. And if I want to get Pickens in a league, I will go out there and get Pickens in a league. I do not. I think that we kind of focus in in terms of dynasty. Now, if you have one league, it's a little bit sort of tougher. You kind of have to sort of pick your guys or whatever. But when you play five plus leagues like I do, I kind of just take a portfolio approach. I'm not going to reach on a player for no reason in terms of ADP. Right. If I know that in another league, George Pickens might be there like 112, 201, 202. Why would I take him in this league at the 107, 108? Why would I do that? Now, why I have Pickens over Olave in the vacuum, 
in a vacuum, I don't know why I said the vacuum. This is what it boils down to for me. A lot of people will tell me, how can you have Pickens over Olave? Olave won in the first round, Pickens won in the second round. And this is sort of what it comes down to. The round two versus round one difference isn't isn't too massive. I think that this is it right here. Yeah. So when you're looking at it from this perspective, by the way, this is how my RS grades are made. So I have uh, each input. So this is draft capital, first round, second round, third round, day, uh, day three. I have their average point per game per three seasons to the to this side, to your right. And then I have their numeric grade. And then you get a grade out of 10 for each and every metric. Four wide receivers with first round draft capital. You get an you average 10.7 points per game over your first three years. Second round wide receivers average 8.2. That's only a 23% drop off from wide receivers in the 2007 to 2019 draft classes. Now, when we look at early declare versus non-early declare, which is what's really deciding point when it comes to George Pickens versus Olave, this is really what it comes down to round one versus round two, early declare versus non-early declare. Now, when you look at early declare versus non-early declare, I'm almost stumbling over those words. Now you're looking at 11.09 points per game for 20 to 21 year old rookie early declares, which is what George Pickens fits into. Then you have the non-early declares which is 6.48 points per game through their first three years that's a 42 percent drop off so instead of a 23 percent drop off it's a 42 percent drop off now i do understand a lot of you guys are going to be reading this and saying this is a little bit skewed and i admit that because non-early declares are going to have a lot of day three guys where early declare 21 year old guys are going to have a lot of first round guys so it skews the data a little bit in terms of what we're looking for so a more a more fair approach to this is to sort of zoom in a little bit here. Now we've talked about already what the wide receiver tiers mean. Both of these players in the RS grades in my model grade out as gold wide receivers, literally within point. I think that in terms of out of 10, Pickens is a 7.18, Olave is a 7.17. And when we look at a guy like Chris Olave, let's zoom in for a second. Gold wide receivers hit top 24 seasons at a 45% rate. So we're going to look at all first round wide receivers who were gold and were non-early declare. So let's pull that up real quick. I believe it should be here. Yeah, this is what we're looking at. And I actually said in my, um, I'm not sure if I've sort of had this take in a video yet. I feel like I have, but uh, the, you guys are going to hate this. But uh, I think a fair comp, just based on analytical profile, not based on tape, play style, anything like that, Kendall Wright and Corey Coleman look a lot like Chris Olave as non-early declare first round picks it's an ugly list here man you're, you're outside of Dwayne Bow, who's kind of your ceiling here you're looking at Kendall Wright Mike Williams Devontae Parker if you kind of just want to talk about like those svelte wide receivers like a Chris Olave it really just comes down to John Ross Corey Coleman Kendall Wright it looks really really rough and of this list we have 14 wide receivers not including Chris Olave we have 14 wide receivers four of them hit top 24 seasons that's a 28.5 percent hit rate even though they're all in gold tier which have a 45 percent hit rate so these guys in this area gold wide receivers non-early declares have a worse hit rate than gold they are almost all silvers i mean i actually looked at this list and i'm almost debating to myself adding to the model a stronger non-early declare um input so that first round picks don't just get elevated to gold even if they're non-early declares because i almost would want all of these players to be silvers um if i could if i could choose now when we look at the other side of things again 28.5 percent is bad 25 percent hit rate is silver so these players in this area first round wide receivers non-early declares that are also golds are players that are pretty much silvers now when we look at pickens we go to round two wide receivers 
Golds, all early declares. It's a much better list. You have Jordy Nelson, Jarvis Landry, Deshaun Jackson, Robert Woods, Juju Smith-Schuster, T. Higgins, Sidney Rice, Golden Tate. It's just a stronger list. Now, is it all hits across the board? No, but in a tier that is gold, that has a 45% hit rate, this is a list that is 8 for 16. So a 50% hit rate. A little bit better than just a normal gold are these round two players that are also early declares and golds. So this is why I prefer George Pickens because Chris Olave fits more in that Kendall Wright, Corey Coleman area where I guess like Dwayne Bowe is kind of his ceiling. But when we talk about George Pickens as a guy who profiles as a pure X wide receiver, beats press man, plays really physical at the line of scrimmage, you're looking at a guy who profiles a lot like T. Higgins and Sidney Rice on the outside. I chase that profile. When you know when you look at these names, Jordy Nelson, that's another guy that I'll chase. Juju Smith-Schuster, I'll chase that all day. Robert Woods, I'll chase that all day. It's just a little bit more of a sure thing. I think that the floor and the ceiling is higher in this range. So that is why I prefer Pickens. Again, they are in the same tier. If you want to go Olave ahead of Pickens, I cannot fault you. Again, they are in the same tier for me. That is just simply why I prefer George Pickens. Now, if we want to talk a little bit about their landing spots, because I kind of do want to sort of cover every wide receiver, their landing spots, whatever, whatever. I don't mind the Steelers landing spot for George Pickens. The Steelers have a great track record with wide receivers. I know it's going to be a little bit crowded off the bat where you have Pickens, Claypool, Deontay Johnson. It seems like them drafting a wide receiver in George Pickens, it seems like Deontay Johnson is going to be leaving. So I would say after this year, Deontay Johnson's probably gone. Claypool, I don't know if he's in the long-term plan. So you kind of have a lot of things moving here where I'm not super, super concerned with the target competition for George Pickens. We saw a young Deontay Johnson and Claypool both ascend next to Juju Smith-Schuster, who we thought was like this god of a wide receiver. Remember, he was like sort of looked at as like A.J. Brown through like years two and three. So with Steeler wide receivers and, you know, packed wide receiver rooms, I'm just going to bet on the talent with the George Pickens. Now, when we talk about Chris Olave, he goes top 12. Despite those awful comps, he looked great on film. Uh, Lance Yearline had him as, I think, like a, a 6.4-ish type guy. Actually, no, he had him as a 6.43 as the wide receiver four behind Burks, Wilson, Jamison Williams. So he had the fourth highest film score. He also had a great reception perception. I understand that that's all great. What it comes down to with Olavi for me is, again, that early declare isn't great. And I'm not sure that he's ever going to have a top 12 season in his range. He does kind of just seem more like a, this is a, an awful, an awful comp, but like, a Robin more than a Batman is like the easiest way I could put it where he just seems more like a a budget he kind of looks like a, a a budget version of like Tyler Lockett not even from like a game perspective but just from a profile in terms of fantasy I think that he's just could be a perpetual wide receiver two forever which is great um I just tend to swing more for the fences personally now George Pickens could completely flame out be this year's Terrace Marshall but that's a bet I'm willing to make now just just for reference Terrace Marshall in the model is a silver George Pickens is a gold Moving on to tier four, this is our last tier here, and it's pretty much just a jumble of a junk tier of wide receivers that I'm not a fan of. This first one, really not a fan of, but I simply just have him here because I'm deferring to first round draft capital with Jahan Dotson. That's really all I got for him. He was a non-early declare. He had not even really great production. Like he just didn't really pop anywhere. He didn't he he didn't produce well. He only passed my production thresholds in year three. He played four years, so that's only one out of four years that he looked good. He's like, he's like a, on paper, he's a worse version of KJ Hamler, but he got first round draft capital. It's very weird. Now I know film guys love him. 
I know Bush over that fantasy stock exchange loves Jahan Dotson, what he put on tape. And if Jahan Dotson had put something better on tape from Lance Zierlein's perspective, now again, every film evaluator is different. That's why it's so hard to kind of incorporate a subjective um, a subjective input like that. But I go with Lance Zierlein. And when you look at Lance Zierlein's grade form, it really wasn't that strong. Uh, we're looking at wide receiver, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's wide receiver seven. And just for reference, a 6.4 better from what I've seen, a 6.4 better pretty much as a first round grade from Lance Zierlein. So we had like a like a, a second round grade on him in the same range as a guy like Christian Watson. So it's really tough for me to say his tape pops off and that's why I should like him. I do believe that if he had a 6.4 better Lance Zierlein grade, he probably is a gold wide receiver, but he's a silver. So it's not great. Again, production's not great. He's not an uber athlete. I don't really know what his upside even looks like. He is a smaller wide receiver. I think he might even be just a better real-life wide receiver than a fantasy one. I also don't love the landing spot. He does go 16th overall, so that's really cool from a you know outperforming draft capital perspective. He was supposed to sneak into the first round, but completely killed it. 16th overall, sort of part of like wide receiver being inflated in terms of the, the trade stuff with Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. Everybody wants a wide receiver on a rookie deal now. It's just rough. This landing spot in Washington, McLaurin's already there. And I don't really care too much about uh, wide receiver rooms, but Terry McLaurin's already there. It seems like he's going to be there for a little bit. You also have Wentz, who's not a great quarterback, and he seems more of a long-term answer than Mariota or Jared Goff. Like He doesn't seem like a bridge quarterback. Carson Wentz almost seems like he was brought in there where if he plays like decently well this year, he could just be like Jahan Dotson's quarterback for like the next like three, four years. So it's not great. Again, I don't know. Jahan Dotson might just be like a solid wide receiver in the NFL. Maybe he could be like a Tyler Boyd. Um, again, not a profile of at all. If I have to take him on the clock, I'm not going to be thrilled about it. But he is just a profile. I am just, I am just betting on first round draft capital here. Now, wide receiver. I believe this is wide receiver eight or no wide receiver nine. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wide receiver nine is Christian Watson, who I'm actually kind of excited about. He's he's a really fun prospect. Now, in terms of his his downside from kind of the lens that I look through, he played five years at North Dakota State, didn't declare early, didn't really even dominate at an FCS level, which is which is really tough. Like you almost you, you kind of prefer a guy that looks like Andy Isabella and just like dominated uh, his poor product his uh, poor competition. But I will say, I want to say I was reading Matt Harmon's uh, blurb on Christian Watson, and he was saying, like, North Dakota State runs such a, a run-heavy offense that you almost don't really get to see what he does in terms of, like, run routes and produce. So maybe that kind of affected it a little bit in terms of, like, maybe he was in a run-first offense, even though I do use market share stats, so I'm not sure how that could skew it. But he comes out for me. Again, these are my RS grades, so each metric is, like, a is an F through an A+. plus. He comes out as a C in my production metric, so he really didn't dominate. This is the comps, or this is his comp list. Uh, so you can see he had a, a B a B film grade, a C experience adjusted production grade, C age adjusted production, age profile is just early declare and draft age. So he wasn't an early declare. So he gets an F there, he gets A plus, plus athleticism. And that's kind of where his like pros pretty much start for him. It's just that he's a crazy athlete. He has 4.3 speed at 6'4", 208 pounds, 95th percentile burst score, 9.96 RAS out of 10. He is a freak athlete. He is almost kind of, it's a kind of a terrible comp, but he's like a skinnier, I, I don't know. It's, I, I was going to call him like uh, DK Metcalf, but maybe something like Martavis Bryant would be a little bit better, but that's kind of how he looks. Now, again, he's a silver wide receiver. These guys only hit top 24 seasons at a like 25% rate, but 
I ran his comps, which is what you're looking at. I probably should have explained that a little bit better. He is, his comp list is actually like really fun and pretty good for a guy who's a silver wide receiver. Like you don't usually see when I filter wide, or when I filter any prospect, their comps and they're like silver or worst, you're kind of scraping the barrel. But like, these are pretty fun comps. He gets Mike Wallace, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, and Chase Claypool. All guys that are, would be really good outcomes for Christian Watson. Now imagine any one of those guys. Like imagine like if, if Chase Claypool got traded today to the Packers, he'd probably fly up uh, ADP. He'd probably get a, a big boost in his trade value. So that's that's interesting, right? When you think about a guy like this who has a ton of upside as a, as a deep threat and a down-the-field wide receiver, that's really fun in, a, in an offense with Aaron Rodgers. Like he, The reason why I have him here at wide receiver 11 is because I don't love or not wide receiver 11, wide receiver 9. I don't love worshiping landing spot, but he got Aaron Rodgers. We're now into the area of silver wide receivers. This is where I'll put him. Now, again, these comps aren't terrible. You do have, you know, you do have some ugly ones like Zay Jones is pretty ugly. Um, I feel like Torrey Smith isn't even that bad. If that's Torrey Smith on the Ravens, that's not that bad. But then you have like Miles Boykin as well. So definitely kind of a, uh, I was going to say like a Jacqueline Hot, a Jacqueline Hyde, is it? I was going to say like Jacqueline Hobbs. I don't know. But what? I'm saying that wrong for sure, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's it's very it's very boom bust, but that's fun at the end of the first round in a draft class like this. That kind of sucks overall. Now our last wide receiver is going to be convert controversial. A lot of you guys are going to hate this, but we're going to have Wandale Robinson here. Let's put him on there. Wide receiver ten. He goes second round to the Giants. I understand. I understand that a lot of people do not like him, but I had him projected for third round draft capital. He goes second round which puts him as a gold wide receiver. He's a gold wide receiver just based off his stats. He has a 45% chance to get a top 24 season, unlike Christian Watson and Jahan Dotson. Here's the thing. Put some respect on my name. Wanda Robinson, again, gold wide receiver. If he was bigger, I would have him in A or B tier, but I have him in C tier behind two silver wide receivers. I understand the concerns. I really do. I understand the concerns. I get it. He is small. He has a limited route tree. I understand that, you know, maybe his game doesn't translate well. That is why I have him bumped to wide receiver 10, but that's pretty much the lowest I can go. I'm not bumping him below a Jalen Talbert. I'm not bumping him below a John Mechie. If you want to bump him below David Bell, have at it, but I'm not putting like bad wide receivers ahead of him or, or not even bad wide receivers, just wide receivers that don't really compare to him as a prospect. Um, now, when we talk about his route running and let's uh, let's do a little uh, a little like slim shady from eight mile here we'll talk about his negatives first and i understand that the you know his routes aren't great i get that he's five eight he's 180 pounds he kind of is a gadget type guy with poor route running this is what matt Harmon said about him it's really not good uh he has a 46.8 percent success rate against man coverage that's really not good 74.4 percent success rate versus zone that's like decent 21.4 percent success rate versus press coverage really not good so he said however he's just not there as a technician or, or as a consistent separator to comfortably project him as anything more than a created touches contributor right now. His success rate versus man and press coverage were bottom barrel scores. So a lot of a lot of Rondell Moore type vibes with this player. I think that we're getting a lot of those vibes. I think a lot of people are very burned from Rondell Moore last year. They don't want to have another gadget guy. They don't want to spend another pick on a 2-2 Atwell, on a KJ Hamler, on a Rondell Moore. And I completely get that. But this is a, guys, this is a really weak class. You are staring down the barrel of some really, really bad prospects. And when you look at Wondell Robinson and you just forget about the hype for a second, again, look, this is the Slim Shady thing. I already talked about his negatives. We're going to talk about his pros. From a production profile, he is arguably the best production profile in this class. 
these are his receiving yard market share numbers next to the big three elite wide receivers at the top here. So the S tier wide receivers, we're comparing them to those guys from a production standpoint. He is the only player uh, outside of like Sky Moore who is not an S tier, but can compete with S tier from a production standpoint. Again, there's other, there's other inputs in the model. That's why he's not elite, but he's right there. He's second in year one. He's third in year two. He's first in year three in receiving yard market share. He is right in the mix from a production standpoint, which is wild considering the fact that he played in the SEC. Now in years one and year two, he played for Nebraska who had like a, a Navy-esque offense where they're not running the option, but they're just not really passing the ball. So it's just wild. I mean, he put up a hundred, he put up more than a hundred catches, more than 1300 yards on a 10 plus a dot in the sec so it's not like he was just hovering around the line of scrimmage i know that rondo moore in his final year had like about like a 2.5 a dot wanda robinson was operating around the first down marker and average depth of target so and that's not to say that there's not gadget concerns and i'm not saying that he can be a full-time perimeter wide receiver at all i'm just saying that he is more than just a gadget player so i feel like people that are souring on on sort of this rondale archetype is fair but i do think that elijah moore is a fair comp for him. If you're going to say, you know, every wide receiver that's 5'8 and under have been unsuccessful in the wider, in the NFL and you start bringing up names like uh, Tavon Austin and guys who are 5'6, if you're going to bring up guys who are 5'6 and 5'7, then you should extend that range out to the guys who are 5'9 and 5'10. Wanda Robinson is one inch smaller than Elijah Moore, same weight. We've also seen guys like Steve Smith, Tyree Kill. I know that Tyree Kill is listed 5'10 on most sites, but if you go to his pro day at, I believe it was Oklahoma State, he measured in at 5'8. Wes Welker. Also, I want to say Wes Welker was under 5'8". I want to say he was like 5'7 or something like that. All of these guys, I'm not saying that Wanda Robinson is a shoe-in to succeed and be the next Wes Welker, be the next Elijah Moore, Steve Smith. I'm just saying that the narrative of we have never seen this height succeed in the NFL, I think it's a tired narrative. We have seen small players. We have seen players within an inch of Wanda Robinson be just fine. He's also not as frail of like as like a 2-2 Atwell who's like 155 pounds he's also not a Rondell Moore where Rondell Moore had one good season in the Big Ten Wondell Robinson had three good seasons across the Big Ten and then also the SEC at the end of it where he put up a crazy season I'm compromising here that's why I have him at wide receiver 10 even though I would be completely fine putting him in B tier I think that he I think that he belongs in B tier behind Olave but I am compromising here. I understand the concerns. I am completely understanding. I acknowledge the fact that he is small. He has a, a weird uh, conventional fit. I'm not just going to be like some other data guys who just sort of ignore everything, blindly follow the the model and say, I don't care how he looks. He produced. I'm going to draft that player. It just comes down to the fact that Wando Robinson, there are no other wide receivers I can make the case for. A first round Jahan Dotson, fine. Any first round wide receiver ahead of Wando Robinson, fine. A wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers ahead of him, fine. But then past that, you're asking a lot of me. So that is all we got for today. That was a really 46 minutes. Jeez, man. That is my bad. Let me know down below in the comments. Let me know if you made it this far. First of all, if you made it this far, let me know. And second, if you made it this far, let me know if I was rambling too long. I'm going to do the same video tomorrow on running backs. If it was too long, I will cut it down tomorrow to I will try to get it under 30 minutes. So without further ado, that's going to do it for today. If you want access to the entire rookie rankings, I'm my top 50. So if you draft through four rounds of your rookie drafts, I have all of that in the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And not just that, it is a plethora of things. You get my redraft rankings, my dynasty rankings. I'm updating my dynasty rankings over the weekend. You get my rookie rankings. You get my RS grades. You can see all of my RS grades um, from 2007 through 2022. 
this uh this class you can see everything i'm an open book in terms of the patreon and on top of that it is five dollars to join right now but starting sunday it's going to be like eight dollars anybody who gets in before that will be on that five dollar rate till the end of time when you stop subscribing so if you want to get in for a discounted price now would be the time to do it so you can go out there and dominate your rookie draft so with that being said as always i love you guys if you enjoyed the video make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like and i will see you guys in the next one I got the juice, I got the juice. Ten oaks, Adam's on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of bomb. Rapper, song, singer, suspended, subpoena from misdemeanor.